Suave Afternoon, Suave Afternoon, Suave Afternoon. This is Brother Suave, your mind-blowing, thought-provoking, and eye-opening on-air personality, life coach, psychotherapist, author, and creator. Hope you guys have a suave of the day. Yeah, and with that, let's commence to pay. Okay, I'm so suavalous, you so suavalous. Together we can fix the trauma that's befallen us. Divine social interactions remains marvelous. Mind-blowing, suavalicious talk, higher consciousness. But think, let not your hearts be troubled, Dr. Brother Suave. Divine light get you dull. Greetings, this is Dr. Brother Suave, your mind-blowing, thought-provoking, and eye-opening on-air personality life coach, psychotherapist, author, creator, and your host, Social Therapy with Dr. Brother Suave. Listen, man, I'm so excited as we kick off season two, episode five. Um, now, nationally, nationally, it's mental health, mental health month. But on the Dr. Brother Suave show, listen, we are talking to having a black man's dialogue month. I am proud of you, black man. Listen, I'm so excited about tonight. Um, I'm super excited because I have some and some amazing men on this show. These brothers are powerful. They are role models. They are inspiration. They are leaders in our community, and I have so much respect for them. Um, listen, um, I'm just gonna sit there and just start off and telling you, these brothers, these kings, these men—not grown boys, not adult males. But kings, men, they have such an uh, impact on my life and their communities. Um, I'm going to start off with home team because I'm starting off with seniority. Um, this brother, he, I met him through a, my college roommate. And um, I was raised pro-black, but my side was um, more, more or less a Martin Luther King perspective. But let me tell you, this brother was so powerful, so dynamic, man. He gave me a different perspective of being black. And um, if you look back, you see that picture over there, Malik El Hashabaz. I learned so much about him through this brother. You know, um, this man really um, influenced my life um, when I was a um, young college student. And so I have no, nothing negative to say about him, but uh, a lot of kudos. And his brother, uh, William D.C. Clark, I have to say his name. And the other brother, um, starting off for home team, he's having a difficult time getting on. But let me tell you, he impacted my life. We had a great career together. Um, did a lot of things for me when I had some issues and always had my back and always showed me he was a professional. And we need more people like him in law enforcement. And then I'm going to go to my other brother. This brother has um, been there for me, has been my mentor, my ride or die. Um, always giving me feedback on how to be a better on-air personality, how to be a better father, a better man, a better human being. He has um, always been there. I remember when I was going through things, he had my back when I was pretty much lost everything. He had so much discernment. He asked him what I needed. And as soon as I told him, his brother just came no more less than 10 to 15 minutes, came and filled my house up with food. This has um, always been a motivation. Um, to me in my life, and that's why he's Wallace, the motivator, Durham. Last but not least, last but not least, this brother, <laughs> I'm telling you a little about him. I met him when I first moved to Charlotte, um, but I met him through a, an associate, a friend, um, who I was running his, um, we was running, um, he was running his mentoring program that I, I became part of. 
and tell you how things work out. This brother um, introduced me to him. And so he was one of the mentors um, of the mentoring program. So he wasn't just only a mentor. He was a community activist. But he wasn't just a community activist. He just happened to be my frat brother. <laughs> but he just wasn't my frat brother. This brother happened to be an attorney. But then he just wasn't a, an attorney. This brother is Keith S. Smith. And the S means to me, soon to be district court judge. So without further ado, let's bring these four kings on. Hey, welcome, brothers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I got, me, I got the kings in the house. Listen, man, I just want to tell you guys, um, thank you so much for um, honoring me. Thank you guys for. Sorry about that, but thank you for sowing into my life. Thank you for being positive men. Um, on here at the neighborhood planet, we try to control the narrative, and we see so many um, negative stories and about black men, and they definitely don't know the difference between a black man, a grown boy, and adult male. So I have to give a, a respect to you guys because um, you guys are so instrumental in my life. I have always um, watched you guys. I watch how you move, um, brother DC. I, I, I've seen you how you move, Brother Wally. I've seen how you move, um, Brother Keith. I love you guys, man. You guys are heroes to me. And I love you, man. I'm just happy that you was able to honor me by coming on this show, doing our Black black Man's Dialogue. So um, I'm going to be quiet right now. I just would like each one of you just give a basic introduction about yourself because I did not read it myself because I was a little anxious because I'm excited to have you guys on here with me. So please um, do the honors and, and tell them a little bit about you and your background. My apologies. Well, uh, I'll start off. My name is uh, William D.C. Clark, lifelong resident of uh, Miami, Florida. Um, my parents have always been servants. And to us, that's not a, a bad word. There's mm -hmm. nothing more honorable yes. than serving your own people. And uh, that was instilled in me at a very young age, giving back to those elders, to those brothers and sisters who are practically doing the same thing that you're doing. So uh, in my 65 years of life, that's what I've done. Uh, I worked at Day County Parks and Recreation. I was a school teacher, a drug rehab counselor. I worked at Eastern Airlines. I'm a retired firefighter of 28 years, Miami-Dade mm. Fire Department. My wife and I own the, the biggest black store in Florida, black bookstore in Florida, Afro Books and Things. Yes. Uh, in the city. Um, <clears throat> We held that for approximately 13 years. Uh, I went on, I have my own mentoring program. Yes. Mentoring young men between the ages of seven to 17 years old. Uh, I am the president of a group called I Care, which is inner city alumni for responsible education, which essentially is taking all of the inner city schools and try to uplift them 
to be on par with the rest of the schools in the county. And uh, we just do so many, many things in this area. But like I said, it's in my blood. It will always be in my blood for the, the years I have left on earth. And uh, I'm proud to say that I serve my people as, yes, you best, have. as best as I can. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Brother Wally. Yeah. First of all, thanks for doing this show, Brother Suave. I appreciate everything you're doing as not only uh, a host, a community activist yourself, and all around good brother. Thank you for bringing these other kings on. Uh, again, Wallace Durham is my government name. Everybody knows me as Brother Wally. I do a podcast every Sunday called Wally's Wisdom WKYT podcast. Stands for Wally Keeps You Thinking All Day and All Night Long. Uh, my background's in mass communications. I'm degreed in it, class of 1980 from Hunter College. Mm. I'm married, love my wife, Adele, which you know personally, Suave. My children are adults now, Jarrell, 34, Kashana, 36. You know, I love them dearly. Um, I have an extensive training in martial arts. Uh, this is my 49th year practicing the martial arts. I'm training two students now. Uh, every weekend, they've asked me to take them on as students. So I'm their sensei. Um, mm -hmm. My first sensei was a guy named George White, 1973. He was a forest reconnaissance Marine. Then I mm -hmm. went on to meet Moses Powell Musa. Most people know him as. May peace be upon him. He's an ancestor now. So one of the styles I take up is Sanukis Ru of the many martial arts I take. I also believe in mentoring young people. I appreciate what the brother said. My target group is really 13 to 21, even though I take on younger and older. I believe what we're doing tonight, I've been doing for the better part of 30 years, trying to show black men that we can get to another level in our yes. communities and our jobs and our whatever religious factions you're in, fraternities or whatever you're in. So part of my mission is to ensure that we as men show that we are more than just adult males or grown boys. The manhood in the village that we've lost from our African rites of passage has to be reinstilled and listening to elders and wise men like us, I think will be the journey towards getting that back on track. So I thank you, brother. We'll discuss other things we all are about during the show. Last but not least, um, Brother Keith. Thank you, Dr. Brother Swap, for the opportunity to hang out with some superheroes and see Brother Wally's got the hero shirt on, and Brother Clark, I can see his shirt, but I'm sure he's got a superhero shirt on as well. I'm Keith S. Smith. I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Brother Suave, as he indicated a few years ago, and he's been a phenomenon since uh, I met him, always putting and pouring into others wisdom and a focus on mental health, which is phenomenal. A little background about me. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Grew up in a big city, China Grove, North Carolina, population about 3,000. When I was growing up, and today, population is about 3,200. So you can tell uh, there's a really big growth center about 35 miles to the north of uh, Charlotte. I always encourage people to pull up a little history on China Grove, and you'll find that there's some really interesting history, especially in the area of race relations. I am, and I've been serving as an attorney for the last 21 years. Uh, this is actually my third career option. I actually worked as a child protective services investigator for 10 years, five years doing regular investigations, five years doing emergency responses and conflict of interest investigations. 
Prior to that, I was a probation parole officer for three years. And my first job out of college was actually working in a prison as a pre-employment training specialist. Uh, currently, I uh, represent Mecklenburg County DSS as an attorney representing the county in cases of child maltreatment. Been doing that as I indicated for the last 17 and a half years, both at the trial and the appellate level. When I'm not working, when I don't consider the work, the type of work I do is a ministry, uh, because if you're just working for the check, if anybody's worked in this field, you know it's not about the check, it's about the people and about making these families as whole as we can and meeting people where we can. Uh, as I indicated, I've been doing this for a long time and it is a passion with a purpose. So when I'm not doing that, I am a mentor. I've been mentoring young folk between the same age sets you mentioned, between the ages of eight and 18. And we've actually expanded. I'm actually working with a group of uh, individuals that have delinquent charges and challenges at a school called Turning Point. So my reach has expanded from eight to 21. So I work with a young man through the Boys Men Foundation, which where is where I met Dr. Brother Swab, also Sigmas of Charlotte, the Sigma Beta Club. I'm actually one of the guys that brought the Sigma Beta Club project, which works with that 13, excuse me, that eight to 18 group. Uh, and we probably mentored about three or 400 young men at this point in time, since that time in 1992 and i'm also involved as a mentor with 100 black men of charlotte i am blessed to be married to a beautiful young lady that tries to keep me centered and as i indicated tries to keep me centered and i have a beautiful daughter age 25 is also in multimedia she's a multimedia journalist who had the pleasure of working in meridian mississippi for 14 months and is in wilmington now wilmington north Carolina for 14 months so Love life, love what I do. And as uh, Brother Dr. Swab indicated, I'm running for judge. And I tell people it's not about power, prestige, or paper. It's about the people. And that's what I'm about. Uh, Thanks for this opportunity. Absolutely. Listen, I thank you guys for um, um, being able to share. Did a better job than I would have done. And I'm thank you guys. You know, that's why I don't always challenge things. It works out the way it's supposed to work out. And even in when I listen to the stories of all of you, you know, the positions that you hold, obviously, it's not about the money. You guys have a passion for it. Um, I've heard your stories. I'm so happy that you guys are in the positions that you're in. I I, I think about, um, you know, my background with uh, Brother DC. Listen, you know how you have um, people who run for office? <laughs> this brother <laughs> basically recruited by the community because they need people like you know him and need people like you need people like brother wally because these you guys have done things without pay you've done things because you was committed to the community community committed to um again um being a better man a better father a better human being we're talking about these positive images that i'm trying to promote you have men you have fathers you have husbands you know even though the community is trying to marginalize and breaking down what family means, I believe in their heart they really want it. It's just they they feel that they don't see enough. And so here at um, Neighborhood Planet, we are controlling the narrative. And so what we're doing is giving positive black men images. And so I just thank you guys. So listen, right now we're going to go into um, station identification and we'll be right back. <laughs>
programs like this are made possible by Neighborhood Planet Broadcasting Systems, Neighborhood Planet Network, iBlister Digital Media Creative, and from contributions to NPN TV from viewers like you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Goma Marie Kundi. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified trauma counselor. And I am NPN TV. Brother Suave on Black Man's Dialogue with our very special guests, William D.C. Clark, Keith S. William, and Brother Wally. Listen, um, thank you guys um, for showing up. I just want to go over a few things. Uh, oh, our frat brother, how you doing, um, Brother Erickson? Good evening. Thank you, guys. Thank you for showing up. Listen, um, I'm going to be presenting tonight, you guys, some questions because we want to engage in our dialogue. And so some of the topics that I had in mind is um, talking about uh, the positive black men images within our community, um, positive black men as role models, being a, a better man, a better father, better human being, the father and a man and our roles, relationships with our children, defining um, what an African warrior is, mental health in the black with black men, voting and politics and black men and incarceration and toxic masculinity and relationships with our black women. So, um, I'm just, again, happy for you guys to um, come and show and I'm a little anxious because I'm like, <laughs> I don't even understand what's going through my mind. But nevertheless, listen, I um, I want to start off, start off with Brother Wally uh, because I, I love a lot of his views and perspectives and a lot of mentorship that I received from. So I want to ask uh, Brother Wally and then all of us can engage in this dialogue. And it deals with leadership and the role of black men in the homes and family in our community. So what's your take on uh, your take on Brother Wally leadership and the role of black men in our homes, our family, and in, in our community? Well, based on how I grew up, and I grew up in the boogie down Bronx, right? So I appreciate my brother from Brooklyn. Hmm. In the 60s and 70s, a lot of men I saw on TV, they were wearing signs saying, I am a man. Hmm. And that bothered me because it was now introducing the civil rights movement to you. So okay. a lot of men who were, to me, emasculated, made docile to be able to sit next to other people in restaurants or live in their home, in their neighborhoods or whatever. A lot of young men saw images of what they thought was a correct behavior to act like. Then I was introduced to the Panthers that strong black man imaging that I saw, which was necessary for us to survive oppression. So to me, in the home, leadership should mean what is it that you have to do so you can be not only 
a protector of yourself and your home and your mate, a provider of yourself, your home and your mate. And of course, being a mate, a lot of black men have run. A lot of men have left the responsibility, the ability to respond to what it is to be a man, to make sure that their children don't become dysfunctional adults. So leadership starts with maybe the imaging you saw as a young man, maybe what you should have done to ask questions if you're in a single uh, mother household, young black men. And I encounter a lot of that. A lot of young black men are angry because they had no strong black male role models. So elders like us in our age group got to make sure we're not failing young men. So if they ask these questions, we have to present a front, a strong base so they don't go out and pull a strap, a Glock, a nine or whatever and shoot their brother that looks like them, that disrespects their sister, that looks like their mother. So we have to have some type of unification in the neighborhoods to be able to talk about this. And I do seminars on this and say, brothers, let's come together. Bring your teenage sons, bring your 20 year old sons, bring ex-offenders. Let's sit and have community meetings. Let's not charge. Let's sit and have it like you would have church or mosque if you and the whatever a Muslim. You know, we have to sit and talk about these things. Right. So to me, leadership starts with you being able to discuss the scar you may have as a young man or young woman, you have to be able to say, wait a minute, I have some pain I haven't resolved. And if we haven't resolved our internal pain, it's gonna be hard to express somebody outside of you how to resolve theirs. So it starts with being honest. I have a term I use called hitman, honesty, integrity, and trust. So if you wanna be a man, be a hitman, have mm -hmm. honesty, H, integrity, I, and mm -hmm. trust. So if you say you're a hitman, be a hitman for a different reason. Right. And that's why I start off this conversation, what I think is necessary to move in that direction. Okay. Um, Brother DC, you have anything to say? Well, I think the brother's right on. Uh, but before I get to what he was saying, I think you're right on, brother. Uh, controlling the narrative. Uh, he who controls the images controls the people. Let me Let me repeat that. He who controls the images of that community controls the people of that community. And we've been cast as thugs, irresponsible, heathens. Even our women are now openly rejecting us. Us who came through their womb, sister. We came through your womb. You were the first teacher. Yes. You have just as much responsibility to raising that young man as the male do. And you have to make the right choices as well. And so I'm about reclaiming the Yes. Image. We have to elevate positive images in our community. Exactly. The people have to see brothers like this every day. Yes. There has to be more positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement. Absolutely. Unfortunately, when our young male goes outside of our home, he is inundated with a lot of negative images of himself. And of course, if you leave it up to those who have captured and enslaved us, yes, we are still 
They captured people. We have to understand that. We have to be about the task of standing up to those captors and saying enough is enough. And we must reclaim ourselves from him. We have to elevate those positive images. We have to be what we're going to be, irregardless of what they're trying to do. Uh, back in the 60s, as the brothers uh, concluded, it was J. Edgar Hoover said, "We, the number one enemy of the of the of America is the black family." This came out of the FBI's director's mouth, and from that point, they began to erode the black family by putting all kind of barriers uh, in front of us. Black back then in the sixties and seventies, black marriage was nearly well over seventy percent. Right now it's twenty-two percent and failing. So a, a job has been done on us, and mm. we've done the job on ourselves. But to you and the brother who just spoke, you are absolutely correct. We have to reclaim those images ASAP. Yes. Here in Florida, I'll conclude with this. Here in Florida. You have efforts by Governor DeSantis, who says you can't teach black history in the schools anymore. That's a direct assault. Yes, it is. On us as a people. And we have to stand up to, to things like that. And I believe we will. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for your take. Uh, Brother Keith, you have anything? Well, I think they covered a book, multiple books of them, and I'll start with the Black History Point. There is no American history without Black history. If you erase exactly. Black history, what history truly exists in the exactly. American experience? Uh, I think that's a starting point. And we need to be young folk, the foundation, whether it, we go back to Africa and everything that was created on the continent even before we got here, and look at how our people have survived throughout all the chaos that has been presented to us. We are amazing people. I was thinking about uh, uh, what the brother shared in terms of controlling the narrative. Uh, we know that brother Malcolm talked about that specifically in the sixties about how the narrative was controlled by certain members of the media to demonize certain populations. And unfortunately, a number of folk of color have been demonized. Black males have been demonized and we don't deserve to be demonized. Black men are phenomenal. Look at the yes, men of this panel, excluding me. This panel is phenomenal. And if you look at the majority of black men, the majority of black men out there are doing what they're supposed to do. There are amazing black fathers that do what they're supposed to do. I think back, yes. even personally, yes. I'm adopted. A mother uh, who adopted me was 58 when he adopted me. And I'm thinking, it's like, 58 was old. But now, guess who's 58? <laughs> I'm 58. All right. And my father didn't have any biological children, but he raised so many children into responsible individuals. He did whatever he had to do to make sure that we had food on the table. It may not have been steak and lobster like uh, Brother Erickson, who's on chat, grew up with pinto beans, rice, whatever we ate. You know, we grew a lot of what we needed. Uh, we went fishing and caught fish that we survived off. My father was willing to do everything necessary to provide 
for his family from working in a cotton mill on second and third shift to uh working in those other folks yards so like next to nothing same with my mom she was willing to do whatever she needed to do as a domestic those are the role models that existed for me and we are the role models that exist for our youth and there are a lot of role models i heard the brother mention they're individuals who were formerly incarcerated they can provide phenomenal messages and ways to avoid some of the challenges that our young folk are walking into so i've, I've battled a lot uh actually that honesty integrity and trust you need to trademark that because brothers out here like me that's like, wow i gotta take and run that run yes that. that's phenomenal I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do that you brother know. i'm working on doing that <laughs> yes those provide. oh man trademark that that is hot thank you brother you can borrow it i have yes. i've already borrowed it brother <laughs> hey and that's always good and, and and one thing about keeping integrity of borrowing things always give credit to the author you got to give credit that's right yes and that's one of the things that we have to do acknowledge we acknowledge each other by saying hi we acknowledge each other about the accomplishment we do and that's why i acknowledge you brothers as kings because you guys were very instrumental in my life and so that's so important and i just want to give a special shout out to um um my cousin um Irvin thomas Thank you for uh, supporting the show. Um, Brother JD, he couldn't make it, but he's definitely watching it at this moment. He says that we have an awesome panel that he was should have been part of, but unfortunately we had some technical difficulties. And also um, my frat brother, Eric Erickson, thank you so much. He made a statement saying it takes a, a man to raise a boy and boys need those positive male images in their lives. And again, we have these positive uh, male images and we are definitely controlling the narrative. So, um, Listen, um, Keith, you gave a, a, a excellent um, statement. All of you have, and I, I just wanted to address something because um, I I know that you um to me what I said at S means soon to be um, district court judge, and so um, I just want to ask you a question, and everybody can um, tap follow up. It says, um, "What do you believe um, is the role of a judge? What if any role do you believe that judges have in our community?" The role of a judge is to be fair, impartial, unbiased, neutral, and detached about the facts and apply the law equally and with equity among the individuals that come before the courtroom. That means you have to take time to be deliberate and listen to the facts that are before you. But you also, from my perspective, you need to have an eye and some attention to where these individuals are coming from. Because all individuals that come before the court are not the same. And every case is different. You can hear the saying larceny x number of times a day but that doesn't mean the outcome should be the same you have to look at where these folks are coming from i believe in fairness accountability i was held accountable i think most of us on this call were held accountable so there's no avoidance of accountability but there's also a need to have some level of compassion and as i indicated earlier there's got to be equity and one of the challenges that our system, our so-called criminal justice system, our criminal justice system has faced is being equitable, especially to men of color and people of color. We've got to have equity. What is the role of the judge? We've got to get out there and I'm claiming it and I'm naming it. Judges have a responsibility to be in the community. You can't have a judge that is detached from the community. Uh, often say that you have to be a part of the community, not a part from the community. Right. How can you encourage folk to do better if you're not around them? Yeah. 
So just because you have a title, I have some phenomenal, I know some phenomenal judges that are out in the struggle. They're not detached, they're engaged, but uh, Charles, big city, you know, and we only have at this point, three African-American judges, one on superior court. He just recently became a superior court judge and two on district court out of 21 yeah. judges. Now, if we look at percentages of uh, the number of black males that are coming before the court, and I'm not just talking about criminal, I'm talking about civil court as well. Yes, I was going to address court, Criminal court is a lot more than three out of 21. My math is suspect. Uh, you gentlemen are a lot more intelligent than me, but do, do the math. What is that? One seventh? Mm. What's that percent? 14%, 15%? And the One number out of, of uh, males 21, are- three out of 21? Yeah. Yeah, that's one seven. So, yeah. So uh, I'm not saying that race matters, but I, I do think it helps to have individuals that have that lens that can look at people from yeah. a circumstance perspective. And uh, that's why I think it is so critical for us to be engaged in these various roles, whether it's I heard, I know Brother Dr. Swab, law enforcement, uh, Brother Erickson is on the call, law enforcement, they have firefighter we have to be involved in these professions as well to be a part of those systems to show and have some push about how we can make things better from inside yeah. the system as well as outside the system absolutely um and reason i was i was asking because a lot of times i i see sometimes when we're in a position and i think sometimes struggles with i see when we're in positions, we sometimes struggle with taking initiative or being empathetic to people who look like us. And I always say, if if not us, who else? You know, and I can't say my my um, 20 year career in law enforcement that I didn't take the initiative because I was in a position. And so I will use my discretion. I see discretion using used all the time with other um, groups and I would use my discretion. And I was never apologetic about it because I was empathetic and understanding because you don't know what these situations, all you do is sometimes just be an ear and listen, and that will help you on the decision. But if you're so headstrong on not listening and you see when you see how some officers go, 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 they're not listening. They don't want to, you explain, they don't even give you an opportunity to, to tell. And so I, I think that it's important that we have people in a position and, and being able to, to, to use their discretion and be able to hear and listen and have empathy. Um, <clears throat> so if anybody else have anything to say on it, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, um, I know that we have about 30 more minutes left, but I'm going to be having some comments myself. Go ahead, Brother Wally. There's a book out by Bruce Wright called Black Robes, White Justice. They used to call Bruce Wright in New York, Cut Him Loose Bruce. I'm sure the okay. ju- soon to be judge knows about him. In the book, he said every young black man that came in front of him or young black girl who happened to be a criminal, he would look at their background, see where they came from, make mm-hmm. a decision to give them a release on recognizance and kind of be like an uncle and say, don't come back in my court. I'm yes. going to give you a chance now based oh. on you being a thief. But if you repeat this, that means you're not taking this consultation seriously. A lot of people, if they want to know more about that, it's called Black Robes, White Justice by Bruce Wright. They used to call him Cut Him Loose Bruce. And that book, maybe I read over 15 years ago, it did something to me as far as the psyche of America and what I already studied Mm -hmm. as how this country was stolen. 
not necessarily built by what they say the forefathers did. We can go whole deep with that. We built this country. We were here first. But anyway, mm. if you read that book, it gives you a deep insight to the criminal justice system, especially how it affects us and what we could do to change it. Okay. Thank you, Frederick Jones. Um, and thank you, uh, my cousin, um, Leona. Thank you for showing up. Listen, <clears throat> Brother DC. Yes, sir. I have a question for you. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, again, you was always community oriented and all the things you've done for um, brothers getting them on the fire department and everything. But now, but when it comes to like you, uh, DCS mentoring program, um, what direction do you see our youth going at this point and um, this new millennium, um, specifically dealing with 2022? Well, I think we touched on it a little bit. I, I believe that we are responsible for that direction. Mm -hmm. In other words, men like us and women like us. I, I, I do agree with Brother Erickson stating that it takes a man to raise a child. But I also believe that a woman can teach a young man respect and honor, mm -hmm. teach him how to treat other women. Yes. Uh, but I think we need to corral our young kings. Why? Because and show them Im positive images of themselves. Mm -hmm. Why? Because what they see, they will be. I think that's a mantra of the cues, I believe, but I, I hope they don't mind me using it. Uh, <laughs> They, our young men are very impressionable. And I have a staff uh, of individuals that's wide ranges, other, other paramedics, uh, police officers, men who uh, have different backgrounds. And the young men, you could tell, haven't seen an array of positive black males like ourselves. So you give them other options. You you let them know that there's more to trying to be a rapper. There's yes. more to trying to be a pro football player. Uh, there's more to life than they understand that there is. So you have to expose them. You have to expose them to a new reality. And so I believe if we do that and try to inundate them with positive reinforcements, then you'll see more come out of that malaise uh, that they've been privy to. They see on videos rappers carrying hundreds and two hundred thousand dollars to go buy a piece of jewelry mm -hmm. without realizing that that same hundred and two hundred thousand dollars can open up your business right on the spot on the so, spot so you talk about changing the narrative and man those, those are some heavy words if you truly understand what you're saying oh most we definitely. have the ability to change that nar narrative from a negative to a positive and i think we're all involved in some way of doing that as we speak Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Um, Brother Wally, uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you something because I was listening to your podcast, um, I think earlier this week, and you had a show called The Making of a Man. And I heard right. you say something about the African warrior because Brother DC, you know, of course, he's a mentor and he's definitely uh, 
being a mentor for a lot of our brothers in the community and teaching them how to be a man. And then, and I know who you are. So, but the making of a man. So please give me your uh, definition and describe what you see that you call an African warrior. Well, a lot of us who, and I like how the good brother said earlier, without uh, our history, there's no history. Back in Africa, they had griots. Those were elders who sat in the village that mm-hmm. showed, showed the young black men how to go out and hunt, provide for the home. They paid attention to the next tribal village that the girl was going to come out of, and they were going to grow into adults, and they were going to marry. So they kept mm-hmm. not only the bloodline intact, but the mindset. We didn't have discussions about, oh, I feel like I'm being uh, uh, ridiculed because I think I'm a little girl. We're having ridiculous conversations about what a little boy should be growing into a man. We've Mm. lost the ability to be Mm. able to be strong from a young point. And when they've emasculated your young men early, then by the time they're teenagers or adults and they've had some psychosocial sexual experience, Mm. now their whole behavioral pattern is retarded against Mm. women. And if they do have children, these children become dysfunctional and repeat another pattern of behavior that expands within our generations. So being a man has to be responsible. It seems like we have to get some type of patent to say, well, let's discuss manhood. The Jews don't have a patent on it. They just do it. The Asians don't have a patent. They just do it. Right. Every other race seems to have their own way to do it. We have to stand up and not care. I didn't say break rules, but we have to say, listen, young boy, you cannot go out there and do little girl things and thinks it's okay. Mm. And we say, well, maybe Mm. you have what they call sexual dysphoria. That's the term they're calling it. When somebody like Dwayne Wade's son wants to be called Zaya and we're having a discussion whether that's okay. So as men, and I'm not attacking him, I'm saying, why is our logic now not seeing if we allow that, then allow the gangbanger. Then allow the thief. Isn't it normal to be a thief if you're hungry? Isn't it normal if you are being bullied to go out and protect yourself? No, we don't want you to be a gangbanger. We don't want you to be a thief. So, young boy, let's teach you how to be a man. And in that becomes behavioral patterns regarding your diet, exercise, mm. right? How to grow into a strong man. Not because you can play football, basketball, or box. But it's about being a warrior. And I have a T-shirt. You've probably seen it, Dr. Brother Suave. It says on it, on the back, it says, a true warrior protects the village first. If we Mm. don't understand what the village is and we get back to a village community mentality, we're going to have wayward towns, cities, states. Our nation's going to be destroyed. We're going to continue to be shot. They're going to have to go in front of our good brother judges like this and explain why they have an angry black man syndrome and they wasn't given a right direction how to be men early. So to put it bluntly again, a man is a protector, a provider and a mate. A lot of men are so dysfunctional in what a beautiful woman is. I'm a very good benefactor to have my wife in my life for 40 years. So I have a way I look at women differently. And I have a way that I'm teaching my son and my daughters how to go do that. And hopefully I and the rest of you brothers can be examples to what strong men are because it starts young. And if it gets retarded young, don't ask Mm -hmm. them to be men as men. 
they were already off the rails. Yes, mm. yes. yes. And Good those stuff. are the things where I say is a huge difference between a grown boy, adult male, and a man. Because men are African warriors. We are protectors. So um, thank you. Listen, I know it was hot. Um, Brother Keith, do you have anything to say? Because I don't want to keep, because you guys are my guests, and I don't want to try to control the narrative and dictate this show because we only have a little while and I, I want you guys to express yourself because I have more questions. Oh, nothing that good brother. Nothing that. Okay. But I do have a question for you. Um, here's the thing. Um, given your description of a judge role, um, what are you think the three greatest characteristics that you believe that you will or will um, bring to um, that you will bring to this role and be successful in it. Um, so, what do you think the three greatest characteristics that you th you believe that you will or have brought to this role um, to be successful in it? I just borrowed from my brother. Honesty, integrity, and trust are the new ones, but I had a, <laughs> I yeah. had even killed and uh, unbiased as uh, my characteristics, but I got to run with my mans now. So uh, those are the things. Those are all great characteristics. That's what yes. a judge needs to have. Thank you. Okay. And um, and also, brother, uh, brother DC. Yes, sir. As we again, I'm I'm talking about issues in, in about our community. Right. So, um, will you think uh, we as a black community, as black people, finally get our act together politically and economically? Because I I, I just think economics and politics play a, a role in it, but I don't think we really understand the significance of it. Well, <clears throat> you know, people actually elevate themselves in times of crisis okay little little do a lot of us know we are in, in some serious trouble as we speak we are in a crisis right now uh again in florida you got a man saying we can't teach african-american history in our public schools you have the united states uh senate is trying to take back our right to vote. This is as we speak. This is happening in real time. And you put together all kind of other things uh, that they're doing to our people. And sooner or later, our people are gonna wake up and realize that this war has not stopped yet. Mm. We're still in it. No time to relax because all of those gains done by the civil rights movement are being eroded as we speak. Look at how they treated the sister who's up against, uh, who went up to be a Supreme Court justice. Yes. Uh, like Brother Keith, I'm running for commissioner uh, here in a specific district here in Miami. I think we need to stand up and begin to flex uh, our muscle, our ideas, and our commitment to this continued struggle. There's no time to relax. 
It's no time to relax. When I met your brother, I, I, I used to be a co-founder, a president of a group called I Am Miami. Yes. Which yes. was the uh, African uh, International African, African, African Movement. Movement. Yes. Those principles still apply. We need to teach our kids about their history, heritage, and culture. We need to teach uh, our, our residents about uh, the rules that they're engaged with every day. Mm -hmm. They need to know their rights, particularly when it comes to voting and uh, being active in the community. And we cannot be afraid to do so. Why? Because if we sit idly by and think that we made it, just because we can go to a fancy restaurant, fly to Cancun, you know, go to a sporting event, a concert, none of which is in our community, by the way. <laughs> we, we got work to do, brother. We got a lot of work to do. And at my ripe old age of 65 years old, I'm still up to, uh, to the task. I know these two brothers are. And we need more men and women like ourselves to get this job done. You know, uh, great. Listen, Brother DC. Yes, sir. Uh, when you mentioned Afro and books and things, I don't know if you can see back there mm -hmm. that picture. Right. Do you know I bought that picture from your um, bookstore? I, I remember. It looked familiar. Yes. I bought it from there. And you know, that's been a long time ago. Yes, A sir. long time ago. Yes. Um, Brother Keith, I have a question for you. It's dealing with um, certain biases in our in our system. So, do you believe that um, that implicit bias or structural or systematic racism exists in the court system? And if mm. so, what specifically have you done or will you do to address those issues? And lastly, does diversity have any impact, and how? Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, diverse, I'll start with the back end. Diversity does have its place. As I was indicating, there is a lack of black male judges in the state of North Carolina. Charlotte actually has a pretty large percentage, and that's only three out of 21. The county that I'm from, Rowan County, doesn't have any, uh, although there are only four or five judges up there. There's never been a black judge in that particular county. And you go to the state of North Carolina with 100 counties, there are actually very few judges. So is diversity important? Absolutely, diversity is important. Why? Because I think it does help, once again, to have individuals who can look at things from various lenses. I didn't say that majority judges don't have the ability to be fair. I just said sometimes it helps to have some things in common. Going to uh, the original question, a judge has the ability to provide, as, and I'll keep going back, to those points, fairness, accountability, compassion, and equity. And I, I see that as the role of the judge and the court to make sure that those things are done fairly with that accountability and with that uh, look towards compassion and ultimately just ending up on equity. I know that's a long-winded response to a, a long question but uh, I'll put some more information in the chat. But yeah, that, that's my position on it. Okay, great. And going back to uh, the first question, which was the one I was avoiding because of political purposes, is there systemic racism? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
That's my political and non-political answer. <laughs> <laughs> and the yes. obvious one. <laughs> yes, right. the obvious exactly. one, yes. But I, I think the bigger challenge is for us to get uh, some of our majority colleagues to recognize. And I will acknowledge that in Charlotte-Mecklenburg, there is a race matters program where individuals involved in the criminal system are involved in training to work on looking at how we reduce structural racism and some of those elements. But it goes deeper. It really, it you have to have some contact and a heart to deal with that because a class isn't going to change someone's position. I mean, I have biases. I told you, I grew up in China, Grove, North Carolina. I saw the Klan in the Christmas parade in 1977 and a Corvette, riding on the back Corvette, have a merry and white Christmas. So I had some biases. But if I cap and I was a prosecutor in Wayne County, whenever I saw individuals that probably had a type of background, could I treat them differently because of that background? No, I had to look at the facts, the law, and treat them based on that. And that's what I expect out of any judge to remove your bias as much as yes. you can, treat people fairly. Yes, just your presence alone and being an objective and fair person <clears throat> should make some changes in in uh, Mecklenburg County. Um, regardless, because again, um, I had um, one of the brothers on a couple of weeks ago. He's an um, uh, immigration attorney. His brother, I know him personally. He's a fair and objective person. Um, you know, and he sees things um, in a way that that that's right. And he's in a position to help all people. And you need fairness. Because again, we're so behind the eight ball in terms of the criminal justice system. Uh, even in um, family court, everything is just we're just not having fair treatment. We don't ask for favoritism. We just ask for fairness. And I think that's one of the things that 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 um, I think we need it in our community. Just have a little support. And that support is through uh, fairness. And so um, I have a couple of questions. And this is um, one of the things I wrote down. Um, so as, as brothers, as men, all of us are fathers. Um, how do you think we can improve the relationships with our children? Um, Action. So. Action. Meaning this, uh, children don't do, don't do what you say, they do what they see. I'm mm -hmm. a year behind good brother DC, I'm 64, right, years on the planet. Mm -hmm. So when I think about what I saw with my stepfather, may peace be upon him, he's an ancestor now, so is my, uh, my blood father. I looked at their actions. I also looked at my mother and being the only boy in the family in the home, I had sisters. So what I had to look at and say, hmm, that makes sense to me. I like how uh, DC said earlier, imaging controls the narrative. Now the images on the television scene, James, good times as a good father, right? They use the term good time. You can say that was a strong black man. Then you'll say Sherman Henry was a clown. Then you got Bill Cosby in the eighties. Oh, that's a good father. But what are you doing in your home when you put the camera on yourself? Right. What are your children seeing on you? Right. What are you doing when your child grows up and challenges you when he's 17 or 18 and you go, hey, boy, he corrects you and say, no, daddy, I'm growing into a man now. I'm getting ready to go to the army or the Navy. Or I'm getting ready to get a car. I'm getting ready to go to college. Please address me as a young man, not a boy. Wait a minute. I'm your father. Oh, so you're talking at him, not to him. Okay. So we got to watch what we say to our children because they'll grow up and learn as adults to be estranged from us. We don't realize you've bullied your child into his adulthood. So mm -hmm. I would hope that we look at trying to have our actions, not let your child disrespect you, 
but be careful how we use words to manipulate what you want done because those same words was manipulated on you by your parents. So let's be careful what we're saying, but be mindful of what we're doing. Uh, Short answer. Okay, Powerful, good. Yes, um, go ahead, Brother C. We got about three more minutes. Go ahead, um, Brother DC. No, I'm just saying how powerful that message was. You know, I've, I can talk a lot, but I've learned to listen to not only men like this, but to our children. If you listen, they'll tell you a lot. And my answer to that question is to be honest with them. The kids can learn even from your frailties, from your faults. Be honest with them. Don't walk around as if you've never made a mistake. They can learn from those mistakes. Just be straight with them. Be straight with them. Mm. I was, and this reminds me of a conversation I had with a young man. In one way, I'm trying to be politically correct in class, not curse, not do too much untoward things that they could go home and tell their parents about. But I was in the car, took him off campus to, to a function. And the young man is about 14, 15 years old. And I was just talking, like maybe, you know, the three, four of us would talk uh, if we were alone away from the camp, you know, man to man. And I, was, I found myself talking to the young man that way as opposed to my politically correct way. Mm -hmm. Do you know he came back to me and said, Brother DC, I learned so much riding with you in that 20, 30 minute car ride because you were straight. You have to give it to them raw sometime. I'm just being honest with you. You know, I mean, they, they, they're nice young men. You want them to be nice and politically correct. But sometimes you just got to throw that veil out the window and give them to them straight. No chaser. Yes. Because some of our kids have heard much worse. And uh, I just, you know, I'm very honest with my kids. And I think that pays off in the end. Yes. I'm going to close out with Brother brother Keith. To be honest, I couldn't even do it justice to what the two uh, leaders have already spoken to. But uh, one of the challenges I have for myself is working to be half the man my father was. And he only had an eighth grade education. I'm still like, he was phenomenal. How did he do everything that he did with you know, some of the limitations and the challenges of growing up in the segregated South and being minimized. The other thing that I work on is making it hard on the next man. I have a daughter, so uh, you know, <laughs> he said his jump, you know, generally jump. So those are my two things, trying to be happy where my dad was and, you know, right. making it hard on the next man. Right. So that's where I am. Hey, thank you, guys. Um, It's been an honor, man. It's really been an honor. It's so much, man. You guys don't even understand all these more questions I have, but unfortunately, we don't have enough time. Um, but I do want to... Um, excuse me? Part two. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Um, and I just want to give a special shout-out for those who um, um, supported this show. Uh, my, my cousin, um, um, Leona, um, Frederick Jones, my other cousin, uh, Irvin Thomas, um, Brother J.D., um, um, my frat brother, Eric, um, a few others just can't, I didn't write them all down, but I just want to thank you guys. And I thank you guys for 
for uh, giving your perspectives. Um, it was a lot more, but unfortunately, we didn't have enough time. But I just thank you guys for coming on, uh, sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, and your love. Um, listen, um, I'm booked up to um, November. I would love to have you guys um, to fill in those spots. Um, but again, thank you guys for showing up, showing out, and being authentic and being real and, and sharing your knowledge and your experiences. And I appreciate you guys. Again, this is Dr. Brother Suave, um, another episode of um, Social Therapy without the Brother Suave. Just remember, great minds reach great places. I love you. I mean it. Bye-bye. It was a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And brothers, make sure you stay on for about five minutes as we close out. We're going to do it back. Sure. Okay. Disconnector, wife, show host, entrepreneur, investor, and ICS certified life coach, here to tell you that I'm on NPN TV, the network that is by us and for us. Lock in and let's get it. Tune in and stream live now social therapy with dr brother suave the podcast is now being broadcast on npn voice npn voice can be found on apple podcast google podcast spotify soundcloud and now on audible and amazon music and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast social therapy with dr brother suave the podcast now on NPN Voice. NPN Voice. Got voice. You heard? This program was made possible by Neighborhood Planet Broadcasting Systems, Neighborhood Planet Network, and from contributions to NPN TV from viewers like you.